One guest, 10 songs, 10 reasons. Music was my first love on Radio Glamorgan. My guest on this edition of Music Was My First Love is a former traffic reporter for Radio Wales and producer of Nation Radio, as well as at one time presenting her own Sunday afternoon show on Capital South Wales. She was also one of the original team behind Radio Glamorgan's HBA award-winning and highly respected Teenage Cancer Trust takeover. I'm talking about Hannah Abraham, who joins us from her home in Scotland. We'll hear from Hannah after her first choice, which is Castle on the Hill, from Ed I heard you singing to that. Oh no, did you? I did, yes. <laughs> you I and Ed. singing so loud as well. <laughs> Hannah Abraham, welcome back to Radio Good Morgan and to Music Was My First Love. Thank you. Where Thank in you. Scotland do we find you? I am just outside of Glasgow in a town, a town, a city, a town, I think, called uh, Renfrew. And how long have you been there? Just over a year now. Just after you came to a meet and greet to rejoin Radio Glamorgan. Did we, I know. Did we scare you off? Oh, that was it. It was so, honestly, the timing was unreal. Oh. I literally, I was just like, great, I've got it. Like, you know, I'm signed up to Radio Glamorgan, like really excited to get involved. And then I was like, ah. Oh. And I remember having to text Jamie, Jamie Pritchard from DC Takeover as well, and being like, um, you know, you've just signed me up. I was like, <laughs> I am moving. Tell us uh, about your first choice, Castle on the Hill. Well, anyone who's listened to the TCT Takeover knows how much Ed Sheeran means to myself, to Hayley as well, who was on the TCT Takeover with me. And we went to see Ed Sheeran in Royal Albert Hall with the Teenage Cancer Trust and not only go and see him, but meet him as well. Um, and I just feel like Ed Sheeran, just in general, is just such a like big memory for that time in our lives. Yeah. Uh, actually, when I was kind of looking through the songs and thinking, right, I know there'll have to be an Ed Sheeran song in there, but which one will it be? Because it, it was that album, that Castle on the Hill album, that the song that was on, that was the main one. And I actually went with Castle on the Hill because, I mean, it sounds really sad when you say it, but two of our friends who passed away, Jamie and Matt, it was both, it was played in both their funerals. Um, and it was just kind of that, that time of our life that I, I. It's a really nostalgic song mm. for Ed Sheeran. Like, he's obviously looking back at, like, when he grew up and stuff like that. And, like, I feel like it's a nostalgic song for me as well. Well, I think it's it's like a love song. If so, if, if somebody's saying, I love you, you can you can sing that to your partner and, and you can listen to this song and, and think back about when you were growing up. Exactly, exactly. So it, 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 it was between that and... Um, Shape of You, which is yeah. the other one that was really, really stuck in my mind. But that one, I was just like, and, and that's why you heard me singing because as soon as it started, then you hear the, that intro. I honestly, I turned my headphones up so, so loud that I could even, I couldn't even hear myself sing because I was, and I, honestly, like the biggest smile on my face just listening to it. Well, it's one of those songs you can't help, isn't it? It brings a smile exactly. to your face. Exactly, exactly. And even though the memories are sad they're not because obviously we've shared so many good memories together all of us like i'm still really really happy when i listen to it yeah good did you have music and, and radio growing up at home yes massively like a lot of the songs actually that i've chosen are from that influence so like my mum and dad they've got such a big influence from their parents so when it came to me and my brother we've got influence from the 60s 70s 80s 90s hmm. like all the way through and I think that's where my love of radio came, actually, because there was a radio on in every room. There still is. When I go home, there's a radio on in the kitchen for my dog. We've got a radio on in the bathroom. The radio will be on in my room, my mum and dad's room, my brother's room. Like, we all just loved music. And like, and we all love different music and the same music at the same time. Yeah. And like, it's always funny because like, my brother lives in Salisbury in uh, south of England. Obviously, I live up here now. And my mum and dad still live in Pontypridd in Wales. But whenever we all get together, like especially if it's like a wedding or something, oh my God, we are always the first up on the dance floor, all four of us just rocking out to anything. Yeah. The, the first song that comes on, we're always up, the four of us, because we that's just how I grew up. And 
a little bit later on, I've got another song. I'm not going to reveal it. This is before you've had a drink, all this dancing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and who Alcohol are you? Does, doesn't even need to be involved. No, good, good. No. Well, I can just imagine when it does get involved. Who, yeah, and, and, <laughs> even worse. And who were you listening to on the radio? Which I find this a very strange question to ask people a lot younger than me because I've never heard of the people that they listen to. <laughs> well, in terms of artists no, or no, presenters? Uh, yeah, broadcasters, yeah. Well, obviously, Capital is kind of like my niche. Like, I love Capital. I've always loved Capital um, growing up. And then, obviously, when I got the opportunities to then work for them, was incredible. So I feel like I'll always... I, I do worry, because I'm like, I'm going to get too old to listen to Capital at one point, and it's just going to be really weird. But Capital is, like, probably my main station. Yeah. Um, and then Radio 1, Greg James... Sorry, Mark, if you're ever going to listen to this, but Greg James is the love of my life. And I just absolutely adore him. I think he's an absolutely amazing broadcaster and just one of the best. I think I feel like he's the Terry Wogan of my generation. Right, okay. I, I mean, some people might think that's a bit bold, no. but I really do think it, it, he is. I, I grew up idolising a guy called Simon Bates and, and Greg James is, is your Simon Bates, so why not? Yeah, and honestly, he was one of the reasons I got in, into radio, like more so as wanting to do it as a career because I just loved his show from when he was on Drive on Radio 1 now he's on Breakfast he's just one of my favourites Your next choice is an ever favourite band and an ever favourite song on Music Was My First Love Fleetwood Mac tell us about The yeah. Chain Yeah that doesn't surprise me actually so this actually is from my parents really I remember we had I don't know what the car is it's a metro it's a car I don't know what make it is or whatever we used our car was called molly metro and we had this portable cd player that you couldn't reach while you were in the front seats so you put the cd in when you got in the car and then that was the song that played and it was fluted master chain you couldn't change it at all when you were no, driving. Couldn't, <laughs> couldn't change it could not change it and it was just on loop no matter where you were going it was on loop um and it just reminds me of sitting in the car with my dad always listening to that and um, my parents are really big formula one fans right so obviously that's the theme tune to basically the theme tune to Sundays in my house because the chain is all like always on when Formula One comes on. So, but it's just I've seen two Fleetwood Mac tribute bands. I haven't been lucky enough to see Fleetwood Mac, but it's just that iconic. Mm. Like everybody knows it when they hear it, and I, that's why I'm not surprised that so many people pick it. But yeah, it really is like my mum and dad's influence, really. <laughs> That's a hell of a riff. Oh, there's some serious air guitar and air drumming going on right here. I'm so <laughs> yeah. glad you can't see me. <laughs> it's all right. I was doing some drumming as well, and I got strange people walking past the window thinking, he's weird. Um, <laughs> I'm actually really glad Mark isn't here because he'd be looking at me like, wow. It's so funny because I actually remember there was like a being young and my dad sitting on the floor with all cushions around him set up like a drum kit and my mum and dad collect drumsticks yeah. and he would always take out a pair of drumsticks and would be like I'd be there on like air guitar my dad uh, my brother would be air guitar and my mum would just be sitting there like kind of singing along my dad be on the floor cushions all around him pretending to drum <laughs> that, that's just like my childhood activity to that track or in general just in general oh, that okay. track as well yeah. um, uh, air guitar is my kind of like my thing it's the thing I always pull out at a party I always go air guitar and I've always actually wanted to learn how to play the guitar because I mean my air guitar is really good but it's just never really trans transferred into an actual <laughs> skill to play the guitar you were uh, you went to university in South Wales what, what were you studying I, I studied radio right funnily enough um yeah. yeah so I did media studies when I was in uh, when I was doing my A levels um and I remember looking at the kind of the, the syllabus and there was, I think, five subjects and the, the, the course teacher, the leader, was going to choose three for us to focus on. And radio was one of them and they didn't pick it. And I was like, oh, wow. I was like, I, I was really going to get into that. Like, I, was, I really thought radio was going to be my thing. And I actually ended up doing um, a, a short stint at Radio Cardiff, the community station down there. Yeah. Because I was like, no, I was like, I really want to do radio. And then and I was going to go to university to do media. And I thought... Like I media, I love media. Don't get me wrong, but radio is my my true passion. I was like, I think I just love that even more if I could focus in on that. Hmm. Was Cardiff Radio your first foot in the door, as it were, for for um, a career in broadcasting? 
Yeah, I suppose it, it was actually. And it was just before I went to university. So I kind of finished when I got to university because obviously it was quite a lot to do but I'd never done anything before um, and I used to do a Saturday morning there was four of us me Jack Tom and Abby I can't even remember the name of the show honestly it feels like an absolute lifetime ago but it was 2011 2012 and yeah and that was I think the first because I, I first went down just to have a look around and then it was like there was a guy called Jeremy on and he was like oh we've got the weather coming up do you want to do it and I was like oh my god no <laughs> I was like couldn't think of anything worse and then I think I said about two lines went bright red and got really shy and then I think I came back the next week and then I was just like as you can tell I just talk 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 and just didn't shut up until I left <laughs> and I basically haven't shut up since good that it's an <laughs> it's it's an interviewer's dream believe me yeah. uh you, you talked we talked briefly before about who you were listening to and influences were there any women in particular that you were listening to i love joe wiley yeah. i can't say i listened to her that much when i was younger but i really really love joe wiley and more so in like recent years i'd say annie mac i just feel like annie mac's just got that such a i, I don't know if it's because of her accent but that soothing kind of irish accent yeah. And, it's, and her music knowledge just absolutely blows my mind. So I do, and up until last year, I was working in Bristol, like Monday to Friday. So it was kind of like a long trip home back to Pontypridd. So I would always catch Annie's show. So I'd say more in, in recent years, and Annie Mac was, was definitely the one. Tell me about your third choice from British production duo Sigma. Yeah, that, I actually chose this because it was the last song I played on Capital. I hadn't scheduled, obviously, you know, the schedule was kind of done for me. I hadn't scheduled it in. And my mum and dad had surprised me on my last day because my last day basically got changed. And it was supposed to be, I think, the first week of April on the Sunday. Um, And it got changed and it was on the 30th or 31st of March, wherever the last Sunday was. And Mark, my boyfriend, who lives in Scotland, was supposed to be, was flying down for that weekend. And then they changed it to the weekend before and he'd already booked his flights, couldn't come down. And I was absolutely devastated because... I could like I, I knew I was going to be in pieces because it you know being a capital presenter was yeah. a dream true, and I knew that going in and doing it all on my own, I was like I just didn't think I could cope. And one of my friends, Katie, turned up for the last two hours of my show. I had a couple of other visitors from the capital staff, like a guy called Mikey and a few other people, and Kate, and then Katie stayed with me for the, basically the rest of the show, and then. The last hour of my show, my mum and dad showed up. Um, I had no idea. Uh, have you ever seen Love Actually? I have, yes. You know the scene at the door where he tells her he loves her and he kind of holds up the signs? Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, but, well in the Red Dragon Centre in, in Cardiff, where capital South Wales is broadcast from, there's like a window and you can see into the studio. And I did my first link of the last hour, just introduced, I can't even remember the song. And then went into the song break and that was that. And I looked out the window, my dad's standing there with my mum with all these signs and did basically the scene saying like how proud of me mm. they were and that, you know, they, you know, South Wales are losing out on a brilliant presenter. And oh, I was absolutely in pieces. There's actually a video on my Twitter. You can't really see the signs very well, but it, I, I don't know what going viral, what the numbers are, but it had like 13,000 views, I think. And honestly, I was in pieces. And then they came in and spent the last hour with me and I kind of like back-timed enough to leave myself enough time to kind of say what I wanted to say in the yeah. last link and go into Sigma Nobody to Love. And I, I actually left myself too much time and then I, I just didn't know what to say. And I was like, thank you so much. And I was trying to like, hold back the tears. Be like, thank you so much for listening to me on a Sunday. <laughs> like all this. And I just thought, and when I played the song, I was like, oh my God, I feel like that just sums up, like it's such an upbeat song and I had mm. such a good time doing it. I was just like, although I'm really sad, like this just sums up my time on Capital. I know you're tired of loving, of loving with nobody to love, nobody, nobody. Hannah Abraham's third choice on this edition of Music Was My First Love, Sigma's Nobody to Love. You mentioned it just before, Hannah, so tell me about that Sunday afternoon show on uh, Capital South Wales. Oh, honestly, it really was a dream come true. I remember getting the first call from my then producer, Matt Lissack, which who was also an amazing presenter on Capital. He he left me a voicemail. I was in work. It was January. And my old my old job was on a really, like, it was a converted barn and it was freezing cold. And I remember I, I went outside for something. I can't remember. And I was listening to this voicemail. 
And it was the weekend before my mum's 50th birthday. And it was like, hey, Hannah, it's Matt Lissack from Capital Breakfast. And I was like, oh my God, what is Matt Lissack ringing me for? He was just like, I've been given your details by Julie Kissick, who was my lecturer at uni and who is now a really good friend. And he was like, we're looking for some new talent for the weekends. And she said, you might be interested. Can you give me a ring back and send me over a demo? And, I, and at this point... I didn't even have a demo. I was like, uh, uh, oh my God. So I rang my mum. I was like, mum, I, like, I don't know what to do. I was like, I haven't got a demo. She was like, well, you're going to have to make one. And I remember texting Jamie being like, can you send me everything you have from TCT Takeover that has got my voice on it that can kind of paint me as a presenter that I could, you know, be the caliber that Capital are looking for. And we, we had such a, like a weekend planned because it was my mum's 50th that I was like, where am I going to fit this in? And I remember so much, so many members of my family being in my house and I was just up in my bedroom on my laptop on audition trying to just piece something together to send to him because I was like, I don't want to put him off that I take too long. And I was like, oh my God, how is this going to work? And then seven months later, 8th of July, I did my first show on, well, I did my first Sunday show on my own. I did have to do two very, very, very early mornings between four and six on a Friday and a Monday just to make sure I was all right and then go do a full day's work in Bristol. But I mean, I wanted it. So there was no stopping me. Like I was going to do everything I could. And it was honestly the best nearly year of my life. So you just did Um, the show for, for a year? Yeah, so with the regulations changing and, yeah. you know, everything going to network and stuff like that, it was nobody's fault. It was just the way the industry was going. It was just really bad timing. I started in July. My last show was in March. It wasn't even quite a year. But, you know, I still look at it with such a fond memories. And I actually work for the company that own Capital South Wales now and Capital Scotland. So, I mean, Matt's a good friend now. and I made some amazing friends just doing that. Are you broadcasting um, in Scotland? No, no. So I work for a different entity of the business. I actually work for the research and insight team, which is so different. But I mean, I'm really, really good friends with the Drive Time presenter up there, Katie. So I guess, you know, the opportunity now and again, because I mean, she came to me before and she was just like, what do you think of this? And like, you know, she'll ask my opinion, which I find really nice because she's got way more experience than I have. But just to be involved and be in an office where, well, pre-COVID, where there is a capital studio is just, that's enough. It's so nice to just be there and, you know, just maybe run into the studio now and again if I can. And it has a, obviously I can tell from listening to you that it has a special place in your heart. It really does. So I did work for Nation straight after uni, but that was only three months and it was really short. And to be honest, I thought that was going to be right. This is it. I, you know, first job out of uni and it's in radio. Like this is just going to skyrocket me into the industry. And it just didn't pan out like that at all. So as much as I hold that close, Capital was much more of a dream come true. And I, like I do, and I love it. And I, I, you know, I still talk to everyone that I worked with there. And it, it helps kind of now working for the company in Scotland that we still cross paths. Cross paths. Cross paths. Cross paths quite often. You, you'd never think I was a radio presenter with how tongue-tied I get. Are you a big Celine Dion fan then? Oh my God, you, now you've asked. Yes, probably the person who I wanted to see in concert most and that happened last year. Massive, massive. I don't even know where it came from, you know. We have a family Christmas party every year, my extended family. So my mum's... So my nan is one of five, six. God, she's going to kill me for getting that wrong. They've all got two children each. They've all got us, which is two or three children each. So my generation, my cousins are my best friends. And this Christmas party's basically been going on since, I want to say 2001, when my great-grandparents died. So every year we have a Christmas party and it always involves karaoke. Originally it started, we would sing Black Velvet by Alana Miles. And that nearly made the cut, if I'm honest. And then oh, I think well, I must have been about 17, 18. And my, there's five of us in total that are really, really close. There's me, Bethan, Jodie, Chloe and Lewis. And Jodie had just got a driver's license and had a car for her birthday. And someone had left a Celine Dion CD in the car. And I remember me and Jodie were going to see Bethan in Treco Bay because she worked for Park Dean. And she had just been rinsing this Celine Dion 
CD. Like, it was so lucky that it was left in the car. And the song Think Twice was kind of our song. The whole, no, 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 no. Like, we would absolutely belt out. And then I got diagnosed with cancer a few years later. And this song, I'm Alive, actually became more of our anthem because, well, you know, I'm still here. I kind of survived. I lived to tell the tale, which so many don't. And when we went to see Celine Dion last year in Hyde Park, I'm Alive came on and I swear to God, the four of us just looked at each other, me, Chloe, Jodie and Bethan, burst into tears and just kind of formed this little huddle for the whole song and just sung I'm Alive. And we were all like, Hannah, you're alive. And honestly, the people around us looking at us were like, are they okay? <laughs> but it was honestly one, I, I feel like I've said this about three times already, but one of the most memorable moments of my life seeing Celine Dion come out singing that and I was there with my best friends just loving life I get wings to fly oh I'm alive I love special, it. special memories as well. It really is. And like, obviously, I know she's not talking about generally being alive. She's obviously talking about someone she's in love with. But it does. It just reminds me how lucky I am. And at that point, when I was stood there watching, I was like, I'm literally here seeing an icon live. And there's so many people who are not as fortunate as I am mm. not to have survived. And it does. When I listen to it, it just reminds me of how lucky I am. Your next choice, Hannah, is Life With You from The Proclaimers. It is. It's actually a song I didn't know until last year. So I live in Scotland now. So I met my boyfriend, Mark, who is Scottish, actually in Dublin, funnily enough. Welsh girl, Scottish boy, Uh, Irish city. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So bizarre. I was like kind of on, you know, on just a weekend away with my friends. He was on a weekend away with his friends. And it couldn't be more cliche that we met in Temple Bar in the pub. Me and my friends were kind of just sitting there having a chat. We'd been at the Guinness factory all day. And if you've ever been to Temple Bar, you know how heaving it is pre-COVID. And hmm. him and his friend just came over and they were like, look, there's nowhere for us to sit. Like, do you mind if we just kind of tag on to the end of your table? And we were like, no, no, it's absolutely fine. That's fine. And I had had maybe had one too many Guinnesses and went to the toilet and fell down the stairs wearing flat shoes, <laughs> might I add. And I came back, I was like, girls, I was like, I think I've broken my elbow. And it turns out this boy, Mark, was a paramedic. And he kind of just grabbed my arm, yanked it forward and bent it backwards. He was like, you're fine. I was like, wow, thanks. They say romance is dead. <laughs> uh, and then I was absolutely adamant that I'd broken my elbow. So he kind of took my coat and wrapped it around and made kind of some sort of sling out of it. And I suppose the rest is history, really. We kind of just took each other's numbers, started talking. And I, and this was at the beginning of December and two days after Christmas, well, about two weeks before Christmas, I booked a flight for two days after Christmas to come up and visit him. And I told my mum, and then I told my mum that she'd have to tell my dad because Mm. I just couldn't really face it. And I came up for the weekend and he wooed me, took me to all the like the most romantic places in Glasgow. We went to Loch Lomond, he took me out for dinner. And then I basically came home and told my mum I was in love and that was it. And he told me about this song actually, because I remember a couple of months later, I'd gone on a night out. And funnily enough, I was saying karaoke. There seems to be a theme here. Um, <laughs> and obviously was singing, I would walk 500 miles. It was basically the only Proclaimer song I think I knew. And then he was like, oh, why didn't you listen to this one? And I was, and then I was, and we had only been chatting really for a couple of months. And obviously he was saying about life with you and stuff like that. And then fast forward nine months after I met him, I moved. So, and a year later, it's actually going all right. <laughs> oh, good. good. So this is, this is for him? Yeah, it is. When I was a silly boy I didn't need a thing I was strong as anything I Teenage Cancer Trust is the only charity in the UK dedicated to improving the lives and chances of survival of teenagers and young adults with cancer. They provide specialist services to help young people live their lives more normally. I'm Hannah, and I'm proof that TCT are there to support people like me. But they need your help to do more. For every young person they reach, there's another they cannot. 
If you can spare your time, support, or even your running shoes, please get in touch. Contact them at hello at teenagecancertrust.org or call on 0207 612 0370. We'd love to hear from you. From the heart of the Heath, online and on mobile, this is Radio Glamour. Once I was seven years old. That song, that song is honestly like a time machine for me. That was the song that was playing the first time I'd got in the car after being in hospital for three months. And I hadn't really listened to the radio while I was in hospital, actually. But I'd been admitted in December 2015 and I left in March 2016. And I remember getting into my boyfriend at the time's car and it was actually Radio 1 that was playing. And there was, there was you know, no presenter on at the time. It was just this playing and it must have just started because I heard the whole song and it was kind of like me getting into the car and I had quite a big operation so I had to like make sure I was strapped in properly and everything and honestly just listening to that I don't think I've heard the song in well years so actually listening to that then I'm like oh my god it literally transported me back to then literally like a time machine. I wanted to talk about a couple of things actually before we do I must tell everyone during the little break we played a couple of health trailers and I can hear you in the background and suddenly you went that's me yeah <laughs> I forgot I'd done it uh, I love it I, do you know what I really like about that is, is when you say those that cannot you should listen to it again yeah um, yeah no yeah I wanted to talk about a couple of things that you've touched on and when we'll lead into the other but but perhaps we'll, we'll play an extra us in the middle I wanted to ask you about the cancer um, prior to your diagnosis in December 2015, had, had, had you been unwell? How did it all come about? No, I hadn't at all, actually. It was so quick. So I'd graduated in the September 2015. I turned 21 in the August. No, I, so I graduated in the July, turned 21 in the August. Went to Florida with my family in the September, and I was, like, really excited because I've been to Florida a couple of times, but that was the first time I could go and I could drink if we went out for a, 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 a meal. And it was brilliant and I loved it. And then I started at Nation in the October, like the day after I came home from Florida. And I just felt like life was just fitted into place. I was like, right, this is it. Me and my boyfriend at the time, I was like, right, we're going to buy a house. And I mean, I was only 21. So now when I think back, it was absolutely ludicrous because I was still so young. And I, it was in, in kind of end of November, beginning of December, I just started getting these bruises on my legs. And I mean, I'm a very clumsy person. Anybody who knows me knows how clumsy I am. And always had bruises my mum's exactly the same we're just that kind we're those people that has always got a bruise no idea where it's come from and I was actually at a funeral for a family friend and I was with a couple of, of you know my family friends and you could see the bruises through my tights I'd like had a black tights on and you could see the bruises through my tights and they were like they don't look right like you know don't you think you should go get them checked out I was like no I think I'm fine I feel fine and like, my, like all my family, my nan, everyone, anyone who saw my legs, they were like, I can't think you should go get them checked out. And because I'd started working for Nation, I was working for the breakfast show. So, I mean, I was getting up at 4am, getting to work for kind of five, half five, and then doing the breakfast show, kind of coming home by one. And I mean, I was tired, really, really tired, but just put it down to that. And I remember Christmas day, I fell asleep during the day on the sofa in front of my boyfriend's family and she did kind of didn't think anything of it I did it on Christmas Eve in front of all of my family and they were like Hannah come on like I know you're tired but wake up and then it was the day after Boxing Day so the 27th and I hadn't got dressed all day because it was Christ like Christmas time I had stayed in my pajamas all day and I did not plan on getting dressed either and then we went to my boyfriend's family's house so I had to get dressed I was very disappointed and I remember taking off my pajama bottoms putting my jeans on and I mean, all the same bruises were there that had been there for kind of the last three to four weeks. Gone to my boyfriend's family's house, watched a film, came home maybe three hours later, and I had two whacking great big bruises on my legs. And I was like, they weren't there before. Like, I would have noticed. And it was kind of like, okay, this is getting a bit weird now. I haven't knocked my legs. Or anything. And they were nowhere else. Nowhere else in my body, just my legs. So rung NHS 24. They were like, yeah, go to A&E find out what's going on. A&E were like, this isn't anything really we deal with. You're going to have to go home and just book an appointment with your GP. We can't do anything for bruises. And I was like, fair enough. I thought that would be the case. Went home. 
So I rang my GP the next day. It was bank holiday because of like how the days had fallen over a weekend. And then on the 29th, I finally got through to my GP. I was like, look, I've been told to come for a blood test. This has happened. Have you got any appointments for today? And they were like, yeah, no worries. Come on down. So went to my went to my GP, had a blood test. And they were like, oh, we'll probably get you the results within... I don't know, a day or two. And I was like, yeah, no worries. Went back home. Actually rung my work to skive off because I didn't want to go to work because it was Christmas time and I just wanted to watch films. I worked in a shop in Leckwith at the time and rung them and I was like, oh, I've been to the doctors. <laughs> I was just like, can't come to work. I need to keep my legs elevated because I've got all these bruises. They bought it. I was like, brilliant. I was like, let's stick a Christmas film on. And I think my blood test was about 10, 30, 11 a.m. in the morning. And I got a call at 5 p.m., from my doctor who said, hi, Hannah. I literally remember it word for word in my head. Um, he was like, um, something's come up in your blood test and we'd like you to come and pick up a letter of recommendation from us um, and take it to the Teenage Cancer Trust ward in the Heath. And my dad, being the overprotective man that he is, was like, let me talk to him. I was like, dad, I was like, I'm 21. I can, I can handle a doctor's call. Like, it's fine. I know what he's saying to me. So took all in the information, relayed it to my mum and dad. At this point, I hadn't put my pyjamas back on and I hadn't started a film. So kind of jumped in the car, went to the doctors and grabbed the letter of recommendation and went to the Heath. Um, So that was the 29th of December. And then my first day home was the first week of March. So I didn't leave. I was diagnosed with APML leukaemia. And I remember, you know, the whole, did we catch it quick question that everyone always asks when they, you know, they or family members are diagnosed with cancer. But I mean, because it was leukemia, it was in my blood. So I remember my my doctor saying it wasn't a case of catching it early. I mean, it's through you anyway. And then I started chemo on New Year's Eve. That's a New Year's Eve I will never forget. So hang on, and sorry. Then, you that, that day you got the phone call from the doctor to come and pick out that letter. Yeah. That was the last day you were home for however long it was three months three months yeah okay. yeah because it all kind of went downhill from me <clears> if i'm honest yeah. um it all kind of hit the fan um so that was the 29th had a load of tests on the 30th and then on the 31st i started chemotherapy and i actually remember thinking kind of a week into my chemotherapy so my chemo- my first round of chemotherapy lasted four days and it was kind of the strongest part of what they were going to hit me with and i hadn't lost my hair and i was like oh i was like maybe i'll be lucky i'm not going to lose my hair because i mean it's been a week and then i think the day later it all fell out and then i was like ah there we are then but i had to actually cut my hair first before i lost it because i was waking up and like i now got quite long blonde hair and that's mm. what i had at the time and it was kind of i was waking up and my hair was kind of wrapped around my neck and i was almost choking on my own hair where it was falling out and i was kind of like tossing and turning in the night and then I didn't really react very well to the chemotherapy. About three weeks later, I my heart basically just failed. Um, just couldn't handle the chemotherapy, which was a side effect. And it was actually quite, it was a running joke within the hospital and the, the nurses and my family that if they ever told me that there was, you know, a side effect that was really not common, you're not likely to get it. I got it. I got every uncommon side effect there was. So in the end, we just didn't, we talked about the side effect. We just didn't say whether they were uncommon or not because I would get them. Um, So yeah, my heart basically just failed and I had to have heart surgery. And then there was a complication with the heart surgery and it turned out I was internally bleeding into my abdomen quite profusely to the point where I think I was probably only a couple of hours away from dying if it wasn't for an anaesthetist who basically chucked all of the machines onto my bed and just took me to surgery. And then, and I've got a lovely scar on my stomach from it. Um, but funnily enough, by the time they'd kind of cut me open, the bleeding had stopped. So they still don't really know where it came from, but I mean, it happened. So then I kind of had to learn to sit up again, walk again. And my brother was actually getting married in March and I was bridesmaid. And I did manage to walk down the aisle, which was kind of the goal. But by the end of the night, I was in a wheelchair dancing to 50 Cent on the on the dance floor. So that, that was kind of like my crowning glory. But I mean, it did all get kind of better from there. That was kind of the worst of it soon on or within kind of January, December time. How did it affect you and your family emotionally? Oh, massively. I remember actually being told that they thought I had leukaemia. And I don't know if you've seen the film My Sister's Keeper. I have, um, yes. But that, that that girl in that had leukemia and that's all I could think of. And I didn't actually cry until I looked at my mum and dad and saw that they were crying. And it was kind of like, oh, oh, this this is quite serious. Maybe I should cry. 
um, because it kind of hits you so hard that you, you don't even know. And honestly, I don't even remember a lot of it. I actually think it was worse for my mum and dad and my boyfriend at the time because there was nothing they could do. There was absolutely nothing they could do. And the amount of arguments, like emotionally fueled arguments we had over food and you know, whether I could take my tablets. And I, I remember they wanted me to have a feeding tube because I just wasn't eating because obviously chemotherapy makes you feel so sick. And mm-hmm. I lost so much weight. And they were like, Hannah, you physically cannot lose any more weight. And I just remember just sobbing, being like, you don't know how it feels, all this, when really it was probably worse for them because, I mean, I was their daughter. They couldn't do anything about, like, to make me feel better. And, like, I know my mum my and dad still get more emotional now than I do. Well, a parent wants to it. take their child's pain away, don't they? Exactly. Let me and have it. Exactly. And obviously I'm not a parent, so I couldn't quite comprehend, like, even now, but I think more so now I comprehend how strong my parents are and they are my biggest inspiration, That the fact that they got me through that. But I... I honestly do think it's worse for family members mm. than the person going through it. Because, I mean, the amount of kind of antibiotics and painkillers and everything I was on, like, I was out of it most of the time, especially in the first couple of months, that I don't, you know, I don't even remember it, a lot of it. Cause I remember I was on morphine one day talking absolute gibberish about dogs talking and Christmas <laughs> trees. So I kind of remember, like, snippets like that. And I remember kind of the big bits, and I remember bits of, like, what people have told me and stuff like that. But it was definitely worse for them, and I feel like it still affects them more now than it does me. And so more so for them than you, a lot of dark days and difficult days. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember one day, if anybody knows me, cheese is my favourite food, like, without a doubt. Um, And I remember one day I'd kind of really, like, it was a, a rare occasion when you'd fancy food. But I really, really fancied pasta and pesto with cheddar cheese on top. And there's a kitchen on the on the TCT ward. So as soon as kind of anyone fancied food, the parents upstairs making it straight away just because they might eat. And my mum went upstairs. My dad stayed with me. And she came. And I, I think I came up to the kind of the the area, where, the communal area. And she gave it to me. And I was like, I don't want it. And I th- feel like my mum was so heartbroken that she made me this pasta and pesto and cheese. And I was just like, I don't, like, it It was like a, literally flipping a switch, the sickness. It was literally, you fancy what something one minute and within the next minute you didn't. Mm. Um, and I remember my mum being so, like, at the time I thought she was really angry and I was just really upset because I was like, mum, it's not my fault, like, you don't understand. But what she was, just, just really upset that she'd made me this food and thought I was going to eat. And then that just didn't happen. So I, I've obviously spoken to my mum and dad about it since and my like my mum and dad kind of just sat in a waiting room waiting to find out if I'd made it off the table when I had kind of the big abdomen surgery mm. and they've told me since that the the surgeon who came out to speak to them didn't actually say that I'd survived until the end of his kind of little speech and they were like I- is she alive and yeah, like, just get, tell and, cut to yeah, the chase. exactly <laughs> that I like because they told me before I kind of went into surgery because I kind of started to come around just before I'd gone into the surgery because they pumped me full of blood and platelets. They were like, "Look, Hannah, we like we think you're probably going to be in a coma for a few days. Like, just to warn you, like when you wake up, you know, time might have passed." And I woke up ten hours later. I was like, "I've had longer sleeps than this." <laughs> I was just like, I was looking forward to like being like like Snow White or Sleeping Beauty, waking up after a week, being like, oh, what's happened in the world? But no, I woke up 10 hours later in intensive care, like, okay, what's going on? Where is everybody? And they'd sent my mum and dad home. So then they rang them and they were like, uh, she's awake, you're going to have to come back. And they were like, oh my God, like race down. And yeah, so I think those were the darkest days for my mum and dad. Mm. And then me getting better and kind of, I mean, I finished chemo in the August and started a new job in the September because I was too bored to be sitting in the house and yeah. not doing anything. Um, so I think kind of watching me kind of flee the nest after keeping me so close and looking after me for so long, I think that was quite hard as well. But yeah, they're, they're definitely the strongest people I know. They're my biggest inspiration. So was it not just because you're their daughter, but because you'd been ill, was it difficult on them when you moved to Scotland? Definitely. Luckily, they love Scotland and they love Mark, which does help. But yeah, I feel like it was hard, especially with coronavirus now and them not being able to visit and Mm. me not being able to go home as much. The kind of agreement was if I moved, I came home a lot and they came up a lot, um, which was always going to be the plan. I think within the first three months of me moving, I think I'd been home about four or five times already. 
and then obviously coronavirus hit. So I think that's actually been the hardest. Yeah. Luckily, I'd been well for a few years before that happened. So I moved 2019 um, and I finished chemo in 2016. So at least it was kind of a few years where they'd kind of got used to me, like fleeing the nest a little bit and, you know, but it was really hard and it is still hard now. Like we all have our days where like we'll have a FaceTime. It's like, oh, I miss you. I wish I could come home. And, but it'll be nice when kind of things go back to normal and we can kind of just go back and forth. I think honestly, my mum and dad would probably move to Scotland at one point. Really? Yeah, just... I, I do. Because <laughs> my dad always wanted a holiday in Scotland, but my mum was always like, no, we're going to like Spain or France or whatever for holidays, like summer holidays, not cold Scotland. So as soon as I said I was moving to Scotland, my dad was like, yay, we can finally come on holiday <laughs> to Scotland. Um, and just before the second lockdown then in September, they actually came up. They saw us, I think, for about two days and then went off traveling Scotland for a week. So, I mean, I think it's also been a, quite a good excuse for them. Broadcasting from the John Wills Studio at the University Hospital of Wales in Cardiff, we are Radio Glamorgan. Before we move on, let's have some more music. Tell me about your seventh choice from Ozone. <laughs> this is actually a really funny one. So, a lot of our family holidays when I was younger, uh, we had a caravan and we would go to, the, to France you know, like with the caravan, kind of in tow i remember one year i can't even remember where in france we were because I, I was so young kind of from the age of basically three to um probably about 10 so they all kind of merge into one and this song had just come out that summer and my brother absolutely hated it <laughs> and being the younger sister obviously just used to sing it at him all of the time and just annoy him and like because we were kind of in Europe as well, like it was playing any, everywhere. One of the French radio stations, I don't even know if it's still going anymore, but it was called NRG. And I remember the jingle going like, NRG. And they always used to play this song. And my brother absolutely hated it. And I think even if he heard it now, he would hate it. So this song just reminds me of those family holidays and kind of us thought as like a really like close unit in Europe every year. <laughs> You're listening to Radio Glamorgan's award-winning Music Was My First Love with myself, Andrew Wolfe, and my very special guest chatting to us from her home in Scotland, Hannah Abraham. Hannah, prior to the cancer diagnosis, you'd worked for a while with uh, our Jamie Pritchard at Inrix, is that how you say it? Yeah, in Ricks. In Ricks, whilst you're at university, then sometime later you're here in the Heath Hospital undergoing treatment for cancer. So I've heard this story from Jamie's side, so I'm going to ask you, how did you get involved with Radio Glamorgan and in particular the Teenage Cancer Trust takeover? It was honestly so surreal. So I'd only finished working at In Ricks a couple of months before I was diagnosed because I remember they all got me a card to say, you know, hope you feel better soon. So I think it was only the September before, kind of around the Florida time, that I finished working there. And Anna, who was our like youth support coordinator on, on, on the on the ward, had kind of put up flyers and actually left one on my bed saying that she wanted to get involved with Radio Glamorgan because Jamie and her had been in touch and they think it was a really good idea. And Anna knew my background that I kind of love music, love radio. Um, she was like, I think you'd be perfect. So I didn't know Jamie was involved at this point and I was so nervous, like bearing in mind how much I love radio, how much I love producing, presenting, I loved my degree and it really is and was my passion. But I was so nervous. I was like, it's been a couple of months. I was like, I don't know if I know how to do radio anymore. I was obviously really, really fragile. And then it was a two hour show slotted in a, at the beginning and I was like, I definitely can't do two hours. Can we make it an hour? So I was going through Anna at this point and it was in February it started and I walked into the studio and Jamie stood there and he didn't know that I was coming either. So Anna had told him that there was a girl called Hannah um, and even though the Inrix team knew I was ill, they didn't know what was wrong with me. And I walked in and he was, I think he just said, hello, oh my God, hello you. And I was like, hello, I was like, didn't expect it to be him. He didn't expect it to be me. And the hour absolutely flew by. And there's actually a photo of me in the studio, kind of pick line in one arm, in a baggy t-shirt and a pair of jogger bottoms and a bobble hat to hide my bald head. 
and like honestly if you saw it now and you saw me now you'd think we're completely different people and jamie and anna and uh, that kind of as they say the rest is history because it kind of just grew from there really and i just recruited whoever i could to join but it as i said at the beginning of the of the program it, it is a very well respected show and something that this station is incredibly proud of and everybody involved with it is incredibly yeah. proud of it was honestly winning that hba award I've had lots of big achievements in my life, Capital being one of them, but that, there's a there's a video and a photo, which I'm sure you've seen, of me kind of looking at Hayley in just total shock that we'd even won. And I've seen the photo, yeah. Yeah, we loved <clears throat> it. We loved doing it. It gave us so much comfort to get there. And honestly, that like I'll say this to everyone, thank you so much to Jamie, and I've said it to him, for giving me that confidence. Because I honestly don't think I could have made it to Capital without having that confidence of being so ill and still doing a radio show. Then being able to do it with Hayley, who was you know, my, one of my best friends, was unbelievable. A rock classic next, Hannah. A fan of Bon Jovi or this track in particular? No, Bon Jovi. So, as I mentioned earlier, kind of like my parents being the influence, we always used to have, we called them VH1 nights. So this is where the drumming on the floor with the pillows used right. to come in. Um, so it would usually be a Sunday. It would usually be after we'd all been so full after one of my mum and dad's Sunday dinners. And we would literally just put VH1 on and listen to all the 80s classics. Um, and then when I was in uni, I had a show on the... Um, the student station tequila radio and my friend in uni lauren we had the show together and within the show we had a segment called 80s quarter because we just both loved 80s music and i think we played bon jovi every week and i didn't actually know which bon jovi song to pick because i've seen bon jovi live twice with my parents i think i was 13 the first time and then hmm. 16 the next and both times he was amazing but i always remember watching the video of living on a prayer I'm thinking how much better their concerts were back then in the 80s when he kind of, you know, when he flies out across the stage yeah. with that hair. And I always just, I always wish that I had kind of lived in that time That's and seen like Queen or Bon Jovi and just those concerts where everyone was just crammed in and it was just going mental. So that's why I live in on a prayer. Hannah, you've mentioned her a few times, so tell us, if you will, about Hayley. Hayley was, I suppose, my co-presenter on TCT Takeover with Jamie and Anna. And she was one of my best friends. Uh, I was lucky enough to meet Hayley. I say lucky enough. It always seems so bizarre because we, we met because we both had cancer, which isn't something that's lucky. But I actually really do count myself lucky that I had cancer to be able to meet Hayley and the other people that I have met. So we were diagnosed pretty much the same time. And we, Anna, who organised, you know, the, the, the outings and stuff like that, kind of was like, you two are going to be friends, get to know each other. Um, and we were never really inpatient at the same time. It was, it was really funny, actually. It was more kind of going to the outings that like we went to, to the Glee Club, we went bowling, went to see shows and stuff like that. And it was kind of there where we got really close. There's actually seven of us to start. And it's only four of us left now. Um, Hayley passed away earlier this year. Um, and yeah, she, she really was one of, one of the best, most inspirational people I think I've ever met in my entire life. She was never down. She was always so, so happy. And I remember when I wrote her in to do the TCT takeover and she was like, Han, I can't do radio. Like I can't talk in a microphone. I was like, I was like, even if you don't talk, I was like, just come and watch us do it. I was like, I guarantee you'll chip in. And honestly, she was the comedy gold of the TCT hmm. takeover. And I honestly believe that cheese slice story was the reason we won that H HBA award. Definitely. But she was, she was... Honestly, like I, I do, I feel bad for people who didn't get to meet her. She was literally a ray of sunshine, um, and she definitely was. I know people say this all the time, and it is really cliche, but she was just taken so soon. And I was, it, during COVID, I was in Scotland. She mm. was actually supposed to come and visit me about a month before she died with her boyfriend, who was Australian. Um, he was kind of flying over, and they were going to come up 
but then that got cancelled because of COVID because she absolutely loved Scotland. I remember when I told her I was moving and she was like, oh my God, you literally couldn't be moving to a better place. But she, she never made it. She, she didn't make it up here because COVID happened and it all got cancelled. So, but yeah, she honestly, she was, she took everything in her stride and she didn't leave anything unturned. She literally took every opportunity she could and she really was the best. And it was um, a tough time for both you and Jamie and others, I'm sure, when she passed. It, it really was. I, I remember finding out and I was actually, it was when Zoom quizzes and Zoom parties mm. were still a thing. And I was on one with, with my friends for her baby shower. One of my friends had a baby earlier this year. Shout out to Erin. And we were doing a baby shower for her. I was actually in the middle of doing a baby quiz and I kind of looked down at my phone and I had a message from Hayley's sister and I was thinking, you know, when you know, mm. you're like, why is Hayley's sister messaged me? And I, she had been poorly, Hayley. She'd, um, they found out that she had cancer on her brain. It spread from her lungs to her brain. But she had brain surgery. They cut it out and she was absolutely fine. Out of hospital within a few days. An absolute trooper as she was. Like, she literally fought it every step of the way. And her mum actually told me a story about they were coming home from the hospital. And I think the statistics for the type of cancer Hayley had was that they you wouldn't live past five years. And Hayley was coming up to five years. And she said, like, mum, we're going to smash this. We're going to smash this statistic. I'm not holding back. And I think she made it to four and a half years. So she was so, so close. But it, it was really, really hard. I was so thankful that I was able to fly home. I didn't go to a funeral because of the, you know, the numbers, mm. and the amount of people were allowed. But we kind of went and kind of, you know, everyone lined the streets for her and we got to see her casket, which was absolutely beautiful, um, which I'd been told she'd picked herself and wanted to buy before, way, way, way before she was even close to passing away, and keep it in the attic, which her mum, her sister and her dad were like, absolutely not, Hayley, that's just mm. creepy. <laughs> um, but she knew which one she wanted. She made a decision. She knew exactly what she wanted. So we did get to say goodbye to her, which was really something I needed because... I think if I hadn't had that opportunity, I don't think I would have grieved quite as much for her. Um, it's closure as well, isn't it? It is. And I remember when I did find out, Mark was actually playing golf and I rang him. I was like, you're going to have to come home. Like, I, I don't know what to do. And I just said, Alexa, play Ed Sheeran. And that was it. Mm. And I just sat and I listened to Ed Sheeran for hours and just sobbed. And, and it wasn't that, like, I'm literally looking at a spot in my living room right now where I was sat on the floor on FaceTime to her when she was in Australia, that she had just decided to go to like one day to meet this guy who turned out to be her boyfriend. And I remember sitting on the floor talking about like, Hayley, you're mental. Like, I can't believe it. I'm so proud of you. Like, and I'm so, so, so glad that she went and she just didn't hold back and she had the best time. And I honestly believe she died in peace knowing that she'd been. Hmm. And because and, if she hadn't, it would have been a total different ball game. But she honestly, she was unbelievable. Well, a great up-tempo track for your ninth choice from James Sit Down, which was chosen previously on, on Music Was My First Love by a local GP, Dr David Gerson, who said that there was no particular reason for choosing it, just that it was a, a great feel-good song. Is it's, quite, it's by chance that we've spoken about Hayley as we play something up-tempo, but it is just a great song, and is there a reason for it? There is, actually. Funnily enough, when I was in university, because I studied radio... During my final year, we had to run a radio station for five weeks and do lots of, you know, programs and stuff like that. And we actually did a program very, very similar to this one called Stories Behind the Songs. And the, the, the plan was that you had to get someone, kind of a big name, in to be your interviewee. And me, just being me, managed to get two. But I don't think I quite understood the calibre of who I had got. So... I had Rodri Talfan Davis, who at the time was the head of BBC Wales, huh? um, didn't, was so, like, I. anybody knows me, I'm so away with the fairies, didn't even realise, and was just like, oh, I've got this guy, said to my lecturer, Julie. I was like, but I was just going to cancel him because I've got somebody else. And she was like, oh, my God, stop, what are you doing? No, you could just do two. And I was like, but, I was like, all right, no, nobody else is doing two. She was like, you're doing two. I'm saying it again, one of the biggest achievements of my life, honestly, interviewing the head of BBC Wales whilst I was at uni and kind of going through this format with him. And this was one of the songs he picked. And every time I hear it, I think of doing that that interview with him and him picking this song. Oh, 
Your tenth and final choice, Hannah, on Music Was My First Love, is from Welsh singers Only Boys Allowed. Tell me about the particular track you've chosen. So it's Carlon Lan, and I went to a Welsh school from 3 to 18. And I really wanted to pick something that kind of reminded me of that. And every now and again, I, I actually did it the other day, I'll put on kind of Only Boys Allowed on YouTube, on like their playlist and just go through all their songs. Because I, I do love Welsh music. And I was in a choir when I was when I was in primary school. So whenever I hear a choir, I literally get goosebumps. And I was listening when, it was a couple of days actually, you'd messaged me about doing this. And I was thinking that, like, you know, what songs can I pick? And I had one of those days where I was feeling a bit homesick. And I was listening to Only Boys Allowed and I came across the Britain's Got Talent audition and they sang Callan Lan and honestly I was sat there with tears in my eyes goosebumps like all up my arms and I was just like that's it that's the one and I'm pretty sure don't quote me on this I probably should have checked actually that my mum and dad had this in their wedding at some point and I've actually got when I moved a family friend of mine bought me like a little plaque with the uh, the words on it it's currently hanging up in my hallway and every time Mark looks at it in his strong thick Scottish accent tries to sing the words um, and it's just hilarious and then I'll kind of sing it and be like no you're doing it wrong and he hasn't he does not want to get it right because he's a bit of a joker likes to get it wrong and obviously likes how much it makes me laugh that he's getting it so wrong but yeah I just feel like it just reminds me of being Welsh and I feel like I think a lot of people were surprised when I said I was moving to Scotland because I'm so Welsh I mean I'm probably like a lot of people say I'm like the Welshiest person they've ever heard speak I love Wales I like all the typical stuff as well like the Six Nations the rugby and like this reminds me of that like you know singing Callum Lan when the rugby is on and yeah I think moving to Scotland people were like wow like we never thought you'd move out out of Wales but yeah this just just reminds me of being Welsh we talked at length earlier about your cancer and as we sit here in November 2020 you in Scotland me in Cardiff how are you I'm really good, actually, really, really well. So I've now started having my kind of appointments with my consultant over the phone. They've gone from every three months to every six months. I have a heart checkup every year just to make sure that's okay. I'm kind of like no medication, nothing. Um, And yeah, I'm actually probably better than I've ever been health-wise. I've never been into exercise really, especially before I was diagnosed. So I was never really very fit, but I'm probably fitter now than I ever was. And I genuinely believe everything does happen for a reason. I know Mm. loads of people say that, but I've had so many opportunities and I've met so many people. And I genuinely, even though it's not related at all, don't think I would have met Mark had I not had cancer. And it was years later, it's totally unrelated. I didn't even meet him through anything cancer related. But I definitely feel... You know, I don't believe in fate or anything like that, but there's certain paths in your life that things happen for a reason. And I do feel like there is a reason that I'm still here to, you know, experience so many things and just things have just, yeah, things have been rubbish at times, but things have like really worked out for me as well. So yeah, I'm actually really, really good. And I'm so content and so happy that, yeah, life's great actually. And one final question, if you had a message for anyone around the same age that's just been diagnosed, what would it be? Just stay positive. Honestly, I think that's really what got me through. Make friends with people who are in the same position as you. Keep your families close. Don't argue with your mum and dad over pasta, pesto and cheese. (laughs) It's really not worth it. And it's easy for me to sit here and say that, you know, it all work out in the end because, I mean, it has for me. But the hardest thing, actually, of the cancer diagnosis is losing your friends when they don't survive. Yeah. So just, I'm lucky that there was, as I said, there's seven of us. There's four of us now. So us four are still so, so close. And we've got each other when kind of these things happen. So to try and get a, as big a community together as you can and just stick together because you really do need each other more than anything. You've got your friends, you've got your family, but no one will truly understand what you're going through more than someone who's going through it themselves. Well, by the time this series goes out, uh, this episode goes out for Series 3 for the first time in January 2021, uh, we'll have recorded nearly 50. And this has been the best. This has been a joy. You are so inspiring. 
honestly. No, what I listening to you talk, we've met once before, hearing about you from other people. It's it's been a real pleasure having you on, Hannah. Thank you. Thank you. It was, uh, honestly, a pleasure. Like I couldn't believe it when you asked me. I was like me. I was like, I've got no life experience. I was like, I'm only 26. I was like, I haven't done anything. I, it, honestly, it was such a pleasure to be asked. Thank you so much. been listening to Music Was My First Love on Radio Glamorgan where Hannah Abraham has been choosing 10 of her favourite tracks. I'm Andrew Wolfe and join me again soon when someone else chooses 10 of their favourite tracks on another edition of Music Was My First Love. <laughs>